Welcome to the Honey Drop, your all-access pass to the Hamilton Honey Badgers. I'm Andrew Damelin, and today we got another special guest, second team All-SEC at Missouri, from John DeShields in East St. Louis, Sir. Hamilton's man in the middle, Jeremiah Tillman. Jeremiah, how's it going? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. No, I, I really appreciate you joining me no, right after you practice. Me here, man. Appreciate you. And what I like to do is kind of go along the journey of everybody on this team, from Coach Schmidt to the players to Jermaine on down, and just sort of see how we all got here, right, right, and where we're headed, right. And so you know, you grow up in East St. Louis, yes, sir. I know you took up basketball kind of later in life, but you started out. As a wrestler. Yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> in middle school. What drew you to wrestling? What kind of wrestler were you? Uh, I mean, um, I just really, honestly, I wasn't playing basketball. I, I wasn't even thinking of it, really. So uh, I was just literally just found something to do at school. I just wasn't trying to be bored. So every all week I was going to practice and wrestling practice, but I never actually played a game. But, you know, just being outside my friends, that was something normal I was doing, just wrestling. So I had a, a grasp for it already. But one Saturday morning, I was on my way to wrestling practice, and the basketball team was in there. And they saw me in there and was like, man, who is you? And I'm like, I'm, I told him who I was. He's like, where are you going? And I was like, I'm going to wrestling practice. And, like, literally his words was, you don't, you don't wrestle, you play basketball now. And I was like, man, I don't know how to play basketball. Like, he forced me to play basketball, and it obviously worked out. It turned in good in my favor. But if it wasn't for him, like – I probably still, I probably would have been a wrestler. <laughs> so you get discovered as a middle schooler. You know, come come and play basketball. You're tall. Yes, Obviously, sir. you you look the part. Yeah, I was six four. How how good or bad were you at basketball? Oh man, out? I was so terrible. When I say I can honestly say it now, I'm like, well, from sixth to eighth grade, like I was the talk around my town because I was so huge. I was this big old kid that couldn't play basketball, and they had me playing up. So I wasn't even playing my grade. I was playing with the big guys. And they was expecting me to be this guy when I wasn't like I wasn't him. So it took a lot. It took a lot of, of of criticism that helped me to get there where I am now. So you got that resiliency in you. I imagine that's East St. Louis is part of that. Yes, man. It's already the way East St. Louis is set up. It's like you don't want to be there in the, in the first place. And me playing basketball, I'm the tallest kid in the whole entire area, and I'm not good at all in basketball. And they was letting me know. So it took a lot for me to just have thick skin and just let that motivate me honestly so you got the thick skin that just you naturally get by being your around your peers yes sir but is there someone in your life maybe your family maybe a close friend outside of basketball that helped instill that resiliency in you as a kid um yes just people just told me like the older you get the harder it is your window gets smaller and coming from east st louis Nobody want to take a chance on those kids. That's what I was always told. Nobody want to take a chance on an East St. Louis kid because of, they never really make it out. We got a lot of talent that, that's in East St. Louis, but no one knows because no one ever makes it out because of either the grades or it's just you know, falling down the wrong path. So that was part of my motivation. I didn't want to be another stereotype or another statistic that was so good at basketball that didn't end up not going nowhere. So that really motivated me because we had so many guys before me that I really thought was going to the NBA but ended up being – Nowhere. <laughs> and you go along in high school, East St. Louis High, and then in grade 11, there's a uh, strike. Yeah, they had two? a strike. They had a strike. Uh, even though our, our school was the high school teachers getting paid in the area, 
but they still felt like they wasn't getting paid enough. So they went on strike, and that forced me to go to Lalamere, uh in Indiana. So I played with Brian Bowen, a, a lot of guys. I even played with Brandon Cyrus. He's from Oakville, so that's my guy. Nice, uh, nice. I got to nice give him a shout-out him, yeah. But I played with a lot of guys. We went all the way to the national championship. I ended up getting hurt. But, man, it was a great year. Then I came back my, my senior year to let people know, like, man, the only, only reason I left was strike. Like, I'm, I'm showing people, like, you can make it out of East St. Louis. So that was my reason of going back to show people, like, you can make it out of East St. Louis and let me be the way and let people look up, like, oh, he did it. I can do it, too. Like, you feel me? That's, that was my next question. <laughs> I just want to give the listeners a little bit of context. You go over to La Lumiere in grade 11, and, and this is um, taken from an article, the athletic article that was mm-hmm. written by C.J. Moore in 2018. Do you remember that article that C.J. Yes, Moore wrote? Yes, I remember that. I mean, that article is incredible. And, and I wanted to sort of make like, this kind of like a check-in on where you're yeah, at four yeah. years later. So grade 11, the first thing that struck you at La Lumiere was that when you went to mass, people left their electronics on the yes, outside. Oh, like that and was something they so. They weren't worried about having it being stolen. Oh my gosh! Like when I first got to that school, people was leaving their book bags. They was leaving their phones. They were just leaving everything around, and no one cared. And I was just looking around, like, bro, how y'all doing this? Like every they was going to mass. I'm like, I'm telling them, like, bro, if anybody from where I'm from was here, all of this would be going right now, bro. And it was just—it was just something I wasn't used to. I wasn't used to so many genuine people. I wasn't used to all the genuineness, niceness. Like everyone really was nice, and I was just thought it was fake. Like I wasn't used to all that. So once I got there, I got a feel for it, and I—they embraced me. Like I was just—I looked like this ghetto kid. Like and they—they they embraced me. So I was just—I wasn't used to that. So if I put myself in your shoes, and it's the end of grade eleven. And my options are stay at La Lumiere at an environment that you find so nurturing, welcoming. Nice. Yes. You just focus on basketball and academics. Or go back to East St. Louis and try to finish out my high school career and go to college. Just my thought, and you tell me why I'm the crazy one, okay? My <laughs> thought is I think I'm going to stay at La Lumiere. It's a great environment. And uh, I've proven to myself how hard I've worked, and East St. Louis I can put behind me. But but why am I the crazy one? Because I, I wouldn't necessarily want to go back to East St. Louis, Was, but, you, but you definitely wanted to. I, I I agree with you now because it's like, man, if I would have stayed, I'd probably be somewhere totally different right now because they won the championship the next year. The year I was there, we got second. Then the next year, they actually won. And the only reason we got second is because I hurt myself one minute into the game. We would have won that game. We only lost by one point. Come on now. So – like I said, I wasn't thinking. I was just like, man, I got to go home. I already had a kid as well. I had a kid on the way. So I'm like, I got to go home and just this This is part of my journey. This is part of my legacy. I want people to know, like, I graduated from East St. Louis, Illinois, and I made it to the NBA. Like, I'm going to have a story to tell. But then now when I look at it, I'm like, man, I talked to my dad. I'm like, bro, I should have stayed at La La Mere. Next to you know, I could have been somewhere in a better position right now because of you win. I didn't go home and win. Like I went home and lost. Like if I would have stayed where I was at, I would have won. So, you the further you go when winning, doors open up for you. So I feel like that was the problem. I mean, I feel like it's all just kind of meant to be along this path. Yes, sir. Really, you yes, know? sir. And <laughs> you, you come back to to East St. Louis, and you mentioned how how difficult it was as a kid, and you can't fishbowl when you no, drive you around. You can't. You can't. You can't drive around. No, if you go to East St. Louis, you're not going to see no regular windows. Every every window is tinted. <laughs> right? That's what fishbowling means. It's driving around without tints yes. in your car. You got to have tints in your car in East St. Louis. You got to. But, you know, 
I cover the Raptors as well, and I think of Fred Van Vliet, who uh-huh. grew up in Rockford, Illinois, right? uh-huh. one of the most dangerous cities in the country, obviously four hours away yeah, from where yeah, you live. Yeah, right? facts, But he also talks about his city with such affection. Mm-hmm. There's something he admires about the spirit of, of the people in Rockford, Illinois. Like, there's the, there's the dangerous part, there's the unsafe parts of East St. Louis, but I yeah. imagine you have so much affection for that city I, as well. I love East St. Louis because of what it what it I've been through. I've been through so much and it's like the the person I am, you would never know that I went through what I went through. So it's like I feel like it turned me into a better person because I've seen stuff at a young age that kids normally don't see. And me seeing that like opened my eyes real early and made me grow up faster. And like you like like you said it's real dangerous parts, but then you got to certain areas that's good, but it might be two two or three streets that's like straight old folks. Don't nobody, everybody respect, the, you know, you're going to respect the elderly, so nothing really going on on those certain streets, but it's like, man, it's only 89 blocks, so it's one through 89, there's nowhere to hide, everybody know each other, bro, so it's like, if you want to go somewhere safe, you got to go to the outskirts to like Belleville and... Fairview Heights or something like that, but that's where everybody moving now. Everybody trying to get away from East St. Louis, so it's like everybody going to the same spot trying to get away, so it's like nothing is happening. <laughs> you say people are surprised with what you've been through. They don't know what, based on the you know, the spirit that you bring. Yes, yes. I try to always bring good positive energy. And I, I, I want to read a quote from that article, too, uh, from an old teammate of yours. I was wondering if you could name who that teammate was. The quote was, this is during your second year at Missouri. So the quote is, I told, from a teammate of yours, I told my mom he's probably one of the best teammates I've ever had. Not really one to beat other people down. He's always trying to pick everybody up, always laughing, always smiling. He, has, he just has a good time with his life. It's always fun to be around him. Can you think of who said that? Which teammate of yours at Missouri said that? At my sophomore year? That's when the article was written. Who was that? Uh, Kevin Purrier. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's my guy. That's my guy. For sure, for sure, for sure. I, I could have thought of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I talked to him the other day, man. Yeah. So you've KP. come to this point where your spirits, at, you know, radiate throughout the team, right, as you shake your head. But, you know, it hasn't always been this sort of linear path up. Yeah, to, yeah. Right? And so you come to Missouri, and there's a story in the in the article about you being in shoot-around, and you'd missed a number of shots, and uh, you were so upset at yourself that you kind of left early. You stopped, you stopped practicing your jumper early. And uh, you went to the locker room and a teammate kind of had to bring you out. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned your, your attitude. Your attitude had to change. Yes. Totally. And so how did that attitude ta- tangibly um, change? I literally, like, it was times where, like you said, I would be on a gun shooting or something like that. It, I don't think it was shoot around. I was, like, shooting around on the gun. And every time I would miss like uh the ball that kept going out of the out of the gun and I wasn't you know what I'm saying that's my I wasn't used to using the gun and I was just frustrated like why does this keep happening? So I'd be in there mad, yelling, frustrated, and my coaches be looking like, bro, what's wrong with you? Like you gotta learn how to control your anger. You all you doing is playing basketball, bro. Like you thinking too much, like it ain't that deep. You let a basketball not go in and frustrate you, and I'm like, dang, when you put it like that. It makes sense. Like, I'm kicking the ball and getting angry. I'm out there screaming. I'm like, bro, that's just my emotions. Like, I, I want to make every shot. I don't want to miss. And this, down the other. It was just then I had my teammates, the older guys, actually Cash. Cash, I used to always see him shooting. Every time he shoot, whenever he missed, his ball never fell out the rim. I mean, out the, uh, out the gun. I was just asking him, like, why my shot don't do that, bro? And he was like, bro, it's reps. You just got to keep shooting. 
you just you just gotta stay in the gym and keep shooting. Like he lived in the gym. So after that, after he said, after he told me that, I started noticing a change once I started coming early, middle of the day and at night. When I started just shooting, 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 I started noticing whenever I was missing, I wasn't missing hard, and then I just figured it out. It just had to figure out a long way, but. I was I was new. I wasn't used to getting up though that many shots a day to begin with. So everything was just new to me. And like you said, I just needed my older guys to be there for me. So your vets are there for you, and you, you realize you need to put in the work. Just needed to put in the work. That's and all. That's the work that you put in on the basketball court, right? And the other work that you put in, and I was wondering if you're still doing this four years later, is after your first year, you saw a counselor about just the mental side of the yeah, game. Yes. And you took up meditation. Yes. Are you still meditating? And to this day, I still meditate. And to this day, yes. I, I have to because it's like that's what helps me stay controlled on the court. Um, I feel like it took me at least three years. My senior year, I was my best at it. I, I was getting calls from refs. I was smiling at them. I was dapping them up. Looking, I would probably, I would like, man, when I went back and watched the film, it was just, it was, it was bad energy. Every time I got a call, I was angry. I'm doing like making faces i'm like bro no i didn't like the way that was looking on me far as my image and my character i'm like that's probably why i'm getting a call so i just had to change the way my character looked and show people like yeah i might have all this emotion on the court but it's like that's not actually me you feel me so it just took a long time but yes i still meditate to this day like it, it helps me i have to yeah, my, and my pray wife, to God. my <laughs> wife my little brother are like serial meditators it's yes. helped them so much like it, i can People are skeptical about it. You know, yeah. it's like, it's not like Western medicine. It's this Eastern thing. I don't know, doubt. like, if it's a mind thing, but if it helps you, it helps you. But it's helping me. It's been <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned, you know, you get you would get angry at officials for certain calls. And um, you direct your emotions, perhaps, in an unproductive way. Yes. Right? Yes. But there was another thing that was in that article where someone sent you a montage of your dunks and things in, in your freshman season. Mm-hmm. And you didn't notice the dunks. You noticed like the screaming after you yeah. that you would do, and like the slap of the backboard you uh-huh. would do, and you said you didn't like it. I didn't like it. Why didn't you like it? Because it was just like I was just noticing like that's something I should be used to doing. Like I was I was getting dunks, and I was sitting there screaming, banging on my chest, screaming in everybody's face, trying to intimidate everybody when I could just be getting back on defense. I'm using all this energy. It was honestly. It just didn't look good on film. Like when I was watching it, I'm like, man, if I'm saying it, who else probably saying this like about me? So I was just like, I can still scream and be aggressive, but like the way I was going about doing it, it was like a little too much. So I just had to clean that up a little bit. That's all. And your head coach, Conzo uh, Martin at Missouri. Yes, sir. Initially, he said he was kind of he was cool with the, with the emotion. Yeah. But, you know, I, I suppose he obviously knew that this was going to get you better to sort of reset yourself, <laughs> but. You mentioned the respect that you instantly got for Coach Martin oh, when yeah, you met him definitely. because he didn't play. He, he no, he didn't play no games at all. <laughs> and, and so, and, and and you know, you talked about your East St. Louis head coaches who wanted to connect with you more, yeah. which was good in some sense, but not good in another sense. Why did you want a coach that didn't play? Because I feel like I'm, I'm gonna give you an example. Whenever. I have my coaches from East St. Louis. They were like building great relationships, great, great relationships with me. But and we were we were cool, but I feel like it was to a point where we were too cool. He didn't have uh, he didn't have that that 
in all, in all due respect, he didn't have his, like, his foot down to where he can tell us, yo, chill out. Or, you know what I'm saying? We, we wasn't too scared of him. I want to be scared of my coach because uh, you get what I'm trying to say. Like, Coach Conzo, he put that in me. Like, I really was like, no, I'm not playing with this guy right here. Like, he looks terrifying <laughs> to me. <laughs> I'm not playing with this guy. I'm going to be 20 minutes early to everything. And the way he just talked, he just made you feel like you could run through a brick wall, bro. Like, everything about him was just, like, powerful. Like, he, his, his main focus was getting us ready for the real world. Like, that's all he really, like, cared about. When y'all leave here, don't be texting nobody 10 years from now, like, oh, I need some money. Like, I want you to have your life together, bro. Like, that way he would try to install into us. And I really, like, appreciate that about him because most coaches don't really care. They just care about winning games. That man really wanted us to grow into men that, that four years of being there. Like, he had us doing community service. He had us doing a lot of stuff we didn't want to do. But now when I look back on it, like, I could tell people, like, oh, man, I used to help homeless people out at the food bank. I used to do this down the other. I used to go out through the community and just do stuff that I wasn't comfortable doing. But I was leaving an impact on people. And I still, to this day, have people from Missouri that, that actually still reach out to me. Like, man, I wish you were still here. And that kind of be touching me, bro, because it's like I did leave an impact at Mizzou. And it's part of part of that was because of him, bro, because he had us out in the community so much. And you know, you grew up with John John the Shields, and he yes. was up five minutes away from literally. you as a kid. Probably not even that. Probably wasn't even five, probably like a five minute walk. Yeah, but yeah, literally, uh, John D. Shields was literally like a five minute walk from where he was at, and that kind of was part of the reason why I went to Mizzou too. I'm like, he's from home, like. He go. He's from home. Like, come on now. <laughs> and so, you know, he's the guy that doesn't play. And I, I watched a couple of Zoom press conference of him, and you uh-huh. can tell that deep baritone yeah, voice. The like, guy doesn't play. And you know, I think a, a one thing I resp- I'm sorry. One thing I respect about him is like he stand on his principles. Like he doesn't let no nobody, far as like out of his character, get in the way of his life. Like nothing he's gonna do is out of character. Whatever he do is his decision. Like he when he t- when I forgot that he told me like don't expect no bread I'm not with none of that like I'm not paying you when, even when I went on the the visit to to meet with him at dinner he didn't even pay for the food like he got separate checks he like I'm going about everything the right way I don't want my name caught up in no no uh drama far as like people getting paid under the table he like no that's not me so don't expect that I'm like I respect that coach I wasn't gonna ask you of course but like he let it be known up gate like if y'all with if y'all want Y'all can leave now. Y'all can leave now because I'm not doing that. So I was like, yeah, he's about business. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's funny. Like, I think Coach Schmidt, I mean, he's about business, but he's nothing like yeah. Coach Martin. I mean, you know, I've known Coach now for a couple years. Mm-hmm. I've covered the team a couple years, and, like, he's been a Raptors 905 coach since 2017, and I covered the team for five years right, as well. Right. So I wouldn't Dang, say – how do you remember that, man? I, 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 won't say, I wouldn't say Coach Schmidt plays. There's no way he plays, but he doesn't seem nearly mm-hmm. – uh, he doesn't seem scary. Uh, to me at all so like what what with coach schmidt drew you here and and what what um you know he doesn't play he's not scary well what inspired what what is how does he inspire you man he inspired me to like just be he bringing me out like far as my game he actually one of the first coaches that tell me to do something and really stand on it like he he really want us to get better and when i first got here he was telling me to do stuff that coaches normally are telling me to do but once i get there they like no i just pick and roll just pick and roll. He like, man, get the ball off the rim and dribble it up the court a couple times. Shoot the three. He like, he like, bro, what like what are you doing? He like play ball. Like he won't he want us to get better. And I was just looking at him like, seriously? He like, yes. Like, and he just 
he he very understanding. He he been he played the game. He been in our shoes before. He very willing to work with us. It's like everything about him, great character, positive vibes, and even when he's like angry, we respect. Like he, he like you said, he's not a coach, Martin, but we all respect that man. Like from from day one since I got here, like I respect him for bringing him, giving me this opportunity. I don't feel like he's none of my East St. Louis coaches for where I can just try to, like I said, with all due respect, walk over nobody. But like because that's not me. But yeah, that guy Ryan, yes. I really appreciate it, for sure. And, you know, you come here after spending a season in the G League with Lakeland. Uh I didn't actually research who your coach was there, but, you know, you turned pro after 2021. You're only a year into this journey. And I imagine everyone, when they start, you know, at their freshman year of college, they're like, I'm going to be in the NBA after my freshman, after my sophomore season. That's all I was saying. (laughs) That's all I was saying throughout college. Right. And now, (laughs) you know, you're at a place where, listen, for everybody here, everyone's, including Coach Schmidt, it's mm-hmm. it's thought of as hopefully a pit stop. Right, you know, right. I'm going I'm going elsewhere. Exactly. How do you stay with your two feet on the ground here and not think about man? I want to be two leagues ahead in like a few months from now. Um, man, I'm just using this opportunity to to get more film on on tape, uh, to stay in shape, and you know, of course, to collect some money. But I mean, I'm here. Like, I can't be worried about what's in the future, what I didn't did in the past. I I have games to be worrying about here. I can't be worrying about summer league, even though I'm going and stuff like that. I'm not even worrying about summer league right now. I'm worrying about. Actually, I was literally talking to my dad about that the other day. Like I'm focused on the CBL right now because this is a, this is my first time playing overseas, and I'm a guy that's always been two feet in. So wherever I go, you're gonna feel my presence. You're gonna know I'm there. You're gonna have a good time with me. But like like you just said, I'm here. Like. I don't know. That's just that's just me. I don't know. Like that is something about me. I'm and, here. You know, after spending a year <laughs> in the G League, what's the level of play like in the CEBL compared to the G League? Oh, um, I just feel like the level of play is com- definitely very competitive. It's still there. It's just the only thing that's different as far as the game rules. The level of play is still there. It's they can play over here. I'm not gonna never say. <laughs> I, I've noticed that since the since game one, they can definitely play over here. I didn't realize that overseas is so much of a, a big man dominant game like it's a lot of big men over here over that play overseas that get paid a lot but far as our rules that's the only thing that's more frustrating the elon thing was frustrating the the three different uh, the, three, the three seconds in uh defense i kept running out on that they like bro you can sit there like yeah. you good <laughs> you can sit so i had to get used to sitting back in the lane like stuff like that but far as the play it's very competitive. I, I'm not taking none away from nobody out here. And uh, I remember watching the first game of the season in the Elam time, mm-hmm. which you guys won, uh, but they ran a play for you yeah. to try to get the game winner yeah. in the post. Uh-huh. You kind of fumbled away the ball. You turned yeah, it over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it wasn't your last game in Fraser Valley. It was the previous game. I forget who it was against. But you got the game winner in, yeah, in Elam. Yeah, it was yeah, a yeah, yeah. So, so you're in the timeout. Uh, <laughs> you take me into that timeout when I, I assume the play is drawn up for you mm-hmm. and, and how that made you feel and how it's stepping on um, there to try to get just, that game winner. It's just um, literally every time we're in Elam or something like that, coach always drawing up plays for me. And I feel like the, the team, they know that the play is coming for me, so they always try to overplay it or they'll triple team me and they'll always leave one of my other teammates open. But that time before, I had told my teammate when we got on the court, like, Coach drew up something, but I told my teammate when we were on the court, I'm like, bro, bring me the ball. 
Like I looked at him, like bring me the ball. He brought me the ball. I got I got triple team, and I swung it back. Actually, it was CV. I swung it back to him. He missed. We got it back, and the second time I just spent off of him, and I went and scored. But he that was from me telling him like bring me the ball, bro. <laughs> so they installed. <laughs> so when they installed that in, I had to install that in there, like let them know they bring me the ball. I wanted it. I knew I had a mismatch and. I was feeling good, so I, I just wanted the ball, and he brought it to me. Yeah, he put in a nice move, a little, <laughs> little, little jelly on that reverse layup to, to finish it off. And this, the team funny. started really, really well. Only yeah, one loss man. on the year. You guys are on a roll. We're supposed to be 5-0, and man, but we're going to take it. We're going to take it. <laughs> That's what um, one of the assistant coaches, Cash, was telling me, too. We're supposed to be 5-0 and yeah, as well. But man. can't dwell on the past. Because right now, exactly. you're, right now you're in the present. You're, you're in the present. present. You're averaging 13 <laughs> points, 63% from the field, and about five, six boards. And I think you're on a great path here. And, uh, and listen, Jeremiah, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I appreciate you, man. For and real. good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. I appreciate you taking your time out doing this interview with me, man. Right, <laughs> Thank man. you.